Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. I'm hey. your host, Melinda, here with Carmel. Yo, yo. How was your week? It was good. Yeah. It was very good. Productive. It went by fast. Productive? Very productive. I think that's why it went by so fast. I remember literally going to a warehouse to pick up some material, and the guy goes, man, it's Friday already. And I'm like, oh, wow, you're right. <laughs> Is that a good, good thing or a bad thing? I think that's good. I, I think it's good because honestly, if it's going slow, things ain't going well. Typically, you're like, oh my God, can this day? Can, you just want things to hurry up and end. So I think True. if you look back and you feel, okay, it was pretty smooth, I think it was productive. Okay. Not many highlights, but I was productive. That's good. That's yeah. good. And yeah, sometimes, yeah. even if you are sitting though, that is being productive. If you have to reassess things, mm-hmm. if you have to think about where your mind is at, if you just need to rest, that is productivity. Yes. Yes. I took a great nap Thursday. I'm telling you, it was one of the best naps I've ever had. Naps are underrated. Oh, they're so underrated. They're needed when you're an adult. Yes. I will say that for sure. I agree. Absolutely. Don't underestimate the naps, people. Please, they're so delicious. (laughs) Delicious. They are. I wouldn't choose that adjective. It it was like, (laughs) it was refreshing, this nap. Oh I my love, god! Hey, I'm all about the naps. I take naps all the time now because I'm just constantly tired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you have reason. For that. I know, I do, I do, I do. I can't wait to get my energy back. Um, so, okay, I want to talk a little bit about the G word. Mm. It happens a lot in Los Angeles. Yes. I'm sure it happens all over the country, of course. But I'm talking about gentrification because mm. I noticed a lot of it happening, and spe- specifically uh, in the Inglewood area with mm-hmm. the new stadium coming up. Mm-hmm. That whole area is going to be gentrified. And I think there's kind of some mixed emotions when it comes to gentrification. And I know that I have them. And for those of you that don't know what gentrification is, it's basically when wealthier people, um, I'm going to say that Mm -hmm. instead of, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, wealthier people um, come into a more urban area and kind of change it so it fits their needs and it kind of is catered to their needs and more the upper upper middle class, I will say. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it changes the character of a certain community or a certain district and then eventually gets taken over. And the people that, you know, uh, inhabited it pretty much the whole time that it existed kind of get pushed out yeah. and um, taken away from their homes. Now, um, what are some areas that you've seen, like, gentrification really, really happen in Los Angeles? Because I feel like as I've been here, I've been seeing it more and more. I know parts of, like, East L.A., Silver Lake area. Mm. Um uh, one spot I see kind of happening now is kind of um, what do you call it? Oh, uh, right off the seven ten area where seven ten ends is very Hispanic area. Okay. That's starting to become oh, like more. the East LA area. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely yeah. East LA is happening a lot. And then now I I think there's some pockets of like off of uh, Jefferson towards what is that? Almost heading towards West LA, which they're very black communities mm-hmm. that are starting to now. You see like random coffee shops pop up and like stuff that is very not uh, typical to the black Mm -hmm. community. Mm -hmm. So you're like, oh, okay, it's coming. And so when I say there's mixed emotions centered around gentrification, this is my feeling. I'm fine with gentrification, but I wish that the gentrification would happen within people in the community. Yes. Like when I go to different parts, like if I'll go to Inglewood because I go to my best hair shops in Inglewood, I do wish it, you know, that there was more emphasis put on having clean streets. Mm-hmm. I wish there's more emphasis on putting, having good grocery stores and like access to things that normal people need mm-hmm. that you don't see often in those areas. But what I don't like is when 
specifically if like a white business were to come into that area and then that causes more white people to come into the area and now it becomes a more expensive area and then the black communities or other people of color communities are forced out. That's what upsets me about gentrification. And I wish there was a way to make it positive and and just helping to rebuild a community in a good way rather than pushing people out. Yeah, I think that has to start with the people who are there because the people who are coming in are opportunistic. They just see an opportunity this is, you know, low rent or the price is low, we'll buy it. And then, you know, whatever happens to them, happens to them. Yeah, they don't yeah, care. Yeah. Um, but I think for us, I think part of the issue is a lot of us just don't think about real estate and property that way and understanding how if we, you know, combine, you know, resources and incomes, that that's how you make money. It's 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 the amplification and the multiplication, the factoring of money, not just like I have this one thing and then I make money from it. Because yeah. like if it's just a hair salon, you know, in a corner of this block, they're not thinking about maybe the third, fourth business they should be buying mm-hmm. or linking up with the person down the way and say, hey, well, if you did this and I bought this, we own this whole area. And you don't have to stop being, you know, a hairstylist or a hair salon, but now you're getting rent from other builders. Right. You know, they're right, not, right, we're not right. thinking like that. We're so stuck on this one thing and just making that work. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah. I think um, what I, a point I want to make as people are listening to this, because people tend to be like, why is everything black and white? It's like, it's not that we're trying to make everything black and white. But typically, the wealth does come from the white communities. Mm -hmm. This is just a fact. Black people as a whole, you need to understand the history. We don't have generational wealth. Mm -hmm. Because of what our history is, we were taken from our homeland, brought here, and not given the chance to build a lot of generational wealth. And then when we did have that chance, it was burned down. Mm -hmm. So I I need people to understand when we say, you know, white people or white people coming to do this, one, don't get offended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't Please think don't. It, it's not about you. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if you get offended, then you need to look in the mirror. It's about, that is about you. Yes. But when I'm saying that, I'm just, I'm stating facts because wealth in this country typically does come from the white communities. Yeah. And I think that's why also people don't understand was the movie that was supposed to come out. I think, I think Samuel Jackson was in it, but it's about a, a banking uh, a bank ran by two black guys. Okay. But they had to hide the fact that they were black. So they hired a white guy to be the head, the kind of the face of the oh, bank. Oh, interesting. Um, it didn't come out? It's, it was supposed to come out, and I think there's some kind of controversy uh. with one of the directors or someone okay. assaulting someone or whatever. But it kind of was like, oh, really? Not, you're finding a reason not to bring it out because I think, honestly, that would shed a light on. Sometimes the way we have to go about it is subversive. Like, um, when you mentioned it burning down, a lot of people still don't know about Black Wall Street. Right. We always bring it up. But we had a community that was thriving, and Black Wall Street was considered almost as um, wealthy and prosperous as White Wall Street. Yeah. And then it was gone. So we kind of have to do things on the low mm-hmm. and build up. But mm-hmm. I think, the, again, the problem is we just we don't know how, right. uh, or we don't think that way. We're not that, you know, um, educated on how wealth is made and on real estate and property and banking and all that stuff it's it's a very i mean to lack of a better word it's a very white thing yeah. um so until we start training ourselves and our kids into understanding that and, and doing that and a lot of it takes us just doing it yeah um also another part of it is failing mm-hmm. um we're scared to fail you Absolutely. know uh, one is because we don't have parachutes we don't have things like okay if that happens i got mommy or daddy's money to back yeah. me up it's like this is all i got right um so we're kind of scared to do that with, with good reason mm-hmm. but also we don't get bailed out we don't have banks or anyone giving us money if we if we fall That's on our face a huge thing. so that's a huge thing that I think people don't realize that. But yeah, when you when you said like, oh, I don't have mommy or daddy or my grandparents or trust funds or anything, that really isn't a common thing in the black community or probably a 
lot of people of color's community, um, depending, but specifically the black community, because mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we both relate to in this moment. But um, I think generational wealth is, is a big reason why a lot of us can't start gentrification in our own communities. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish I wish I could see it from a lot of black celebrities and a lot of black millionaires now if them going back into the communities and putting money back into it. And I, I don't know why we don't see that enough. Again, I think it's it's a lot of just this training and mental, like if it's like athletes who grew up in the, you know, the Everglades of Florida mm-hmm. and just finally made some money, um, they're not even thinking about going back. They're yeah. just like, I made it. Now I'm living in, you know, New Orleans or I'm in D.C. Or I'm in L.A. Now I got a nice house. I got money. Um, I'm not really going to spend this money to build, mm-hmm. um, not knowing that that's how you make more money. Um, it's very rare. You know, LeBron is one of the, one few, one of the few cases of, of athletes who I've seen go back, uh, invest in him, himself, his friends, his family, his community, and it's now reaping the benefits yeah. of making more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wish more athletes would take that. Same, same thing with, you know, musicians or actors. Um, but, you know, 50 Cent hasn't made an album in I don't know how long. I know he's like not even a, an artist. He's not anymore. an artist anymore. I'm not mad at it. He's not, doing stuff. He's doing stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's power or vitamin water, whatever. He's investing. He's making money. Nas is, I think, now the next billionaire in the industry because of a pharmaceutical company he invested in, and I think because a ring, the the door the door um, program company, mm-hmm. he invested in that early on. Okay. So there's guys who are doing it. Um, it's just not enough because it's just not a part of our culture. And I think the more we start looking for ways of doing it, that kind of is. I should say it kind of needs to be something that's more replicate. We can replicate it easier. I think it's, you can't look at LeBron and expect everyone to be LeBron. Right. Um, right. But I think like if you take what you have and just learn how to flip, you know, I know a lot of friends and families who have a a house, their grandma and grandma bought grandma and grandma. And it could be like, Oh, they bought it back in the seventies or fifties. And it was like 50 grand. And and they, they are proud that they own a house. Yeah. 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 But if you look at that equity, and think about using that equity to buy another house or to start a business or taking that money out and using some. They never think like that. They think, oh, yeah. we got a house. That's oh, I don't true. pay rent. You know, whatever. Uh, we don't think about how to flip that money and make make it uh, work for us. Mm-hmm. We think, I got a place to stay. Mm-hmm. So we're very like, uh, we're, we're very like clenched fist on what we do have when we have it. And even then we lose it sometimes because, I mean, I know people who've lost houses. Siri's trying to get involved in this conversation. Siri got something to say, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Anyways, keep going. Seriously, out of this conversation. No, I think we're so clenched fist. What we have, we don't open it up enough to get you know new money. We're clenched on this old money when we do have it, and sometimes we still lose. I know people have lost houses because they didn't pay taxes on it mm-hmm. or whatever. And I'm like, oh my god, when you do have it, you still lose it. Like we're just we're not in that train of mind or that mode because we just it's not part of our our typical. Um, talk around the dinner table because we're thinking about the present we're not thinking about the future right. and that's the mindset we absolutely have to get yes. out of i completely agree yes. with you you have to think about your kids and your kids kids and your kids 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 mm-hmm. you know and we just weren't taught that because one if you go all the way back to the beginning of you know our generation of past generations like we weren't given the opportunity to think mm-hmm. that way Mm-hmm. So when when you trickle things down and and you pass down information, you're not going to pass it down because you didn't know. You didn't know, and yeah, so it's not like we can be at fault for it. We just literally didn't know. Right. Um, now I think we need to just kind of you know raise our head up and just look around a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's like you know different Asians uh, opening up stores in our community, that's always been a weird thing. You know, like why does an Asian guy have a liquor store in the black community? Like same reason they have hair stores because the black dollar for those specific things. 
is they're going to have a lucrative business. Yeah. I'm like, why can't a black guy open a liquor store? Like, I've right. never, I never right. understood that. Um, right. And then those liquor stores, those, you never see them give it up. Ever. When they lock it down in our communities, they never leave yeah. it because yeah. passed on to someone else or someone else. So it's a rare thing for them yeah. to sell it. But then again, when they finally do, we're not at, you know, uh, City Hall trying to buy the property. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, trying to talk about, we're just, oh, okay, someone else is going to buy yeah. it now. It's an Arab dude or Indian dude or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think we just need to start training ourselves. That's half the reason why I started Black Brew was to create a business for myself that you know made money and, w- and the money worked, um, and then have something for my kids to to live off of and, yeah. and continue. Because that's it's just having a job to me. It just it's it's mind boggling to think that you're going to get ahead. You're building someone else's dream. You're working nine to five to build that's another true. company that's up with someone true. else. Like I had to get out and say, well, okay, I have to take a few L's and you know and eat it before I can start, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, prospering. And that's fine because I know I have a goal. I have an end result I'm Absolutely. looking, I'm working towards. I think a lot of Absolutely. guys and uh, girls don't have that. They don't at all. I completely agree with that. One of the things I was going to say about the Asian community, I don't know if you heard this on NPR, this was maybe a month or two ago, but they were starting to try to figure out ways to gentrify little Tokyo mm-hmm. and, um, bringing in, um, white owned businesses specifically and a lot of members of the community, they came together, invested money of their own to buy back the property mm. so that it would stay within the little Tokyo community. Wow. And that is something that I absolutely loved because there's culture there, there's mm-hmm. family there. You know, they have their stores that have English, but also their language that they speak, and they didn't want that to get changed. Wow. And I have mad respect for that because yes. I think one of the cool things about LA is the little pockets of, of, of cultural um, towns that we yes. have. You know, you, mm-hmm. you know where little Tokyo is, you know where little Armenia is, mm-hmm. you know where Chinatown is, you know where the black community is, you know, you know where Beverly Hills is, you know what I mean? Like you, street and all that, yeah. All that mm-hmm. stuff, you know, yeah. like you know what those little areas are and what they represent. So I was really, I thought it was really, really cool to hear that. But then I got sad <laughs> because I'm like, gosh, I wish black people would do that. Yeah. I really do. And I, you mentioned one person that had the wealth and had the influence that started to do it. Yep. And who was that person? Nipsey Hussle. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. I, that's, I mean, when you mentioned that before we came on, I was like, that's the first person that came to mind. And it's a shame that he's not here to, to see that carried on. Now, I don't know what his brother, um, Black Sam, is doing and, and his crew and the whole mm-hmm. guys at, uh, at the marathon are, are pushing forward. Hopefully they are with the things he wanted to do. But from the from the jump, you hear people talk about it. that was always his plan. He was always putting people on. He was always building his community, giving people jobs. He was always keeping it inside and then working out. Um, the the best story when he talks about how he was hustling T-shirts on the very corner of the uh, shopping center that he now owned. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just crazy it's to amazing. think I own this whole thing now. Um, he talked about how one of the guys who owned a, a burger joint and they would always you know harass him and his buddies. And now he's paying him rent. Mm-hmm. You know, like those are the kind of stories you want to hear more of. Uh, then you have an unfortunate circumstance where, where he's taken from us. Um, but someone was doing it. So it's, it's and it, it was working like he was making money. And he was talking a lot about how he's investing in this and working on that. And I remember when I first went to a store, mm-hmm. I think it was the second day it was open. I wouldn't go on the first day because it was just chaotic. But I went the second day <laughs> and just looked at what he created in there. And it was so far ahead of everyone else in any clothing store I've ever been to. The fact that these every piece of uh, article of clothing or cup had some kind of like uh, smart technology in the QR, mm-hmm. a QR code where like okay. if you bought a shirt, it would give you like a piece of like uh, maybe 
a new song or wow. something else that you could download. And I'm like, look at that branding and marketing. Right. I mean, I who's doing it. that? Right. And this, this was like, you know, three, four years ago when it's first, first open. Um, so just to think what he was going to do further, uh, down the road, you know, uh, can only imagine. But I, so then again, like why, why is anyone else picking up that baton? You know, they like, could be again, like we talked about the last episode. Maybe we just don't know. We don't know. It's possible. We don't know. But I think those, those things I, I would like to know, honestly, because it'd be cool to be like, Oh good. Somebody is caring about this community. Somebody mm-hmm. is putting money back into it and not letting it fall at the wayside or get taken over and having these people pushed out. And that's, that's like I said, that is the one thing that upsets me about gentrification. There has to be a way to uh, upgrade and make things nicer and cleaner for people without kicking them out of a home that they've known their whole lives. Yeah. Cause like, even if you're coming in, let's say you're, you know, you're a white investor and you mm-hmm. see a Hispanic, Asian or black community that you want to take over. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, is there a way to do it where they can still be, stay there? Like you're still going to make money. Right. But like, I, this weird how it goes completely, that completely ethnic flip as well as a material and, you know, wealth flip. Like it's completely white from being Mexican or black. Right. Like why can like, I understand if you raise the rents a little bit or whatever, um, but like just the fact that you owning this property now means you're going to make your money back, mm-hmm. but they look for the, the biggest bang for the buck, which is to remove the ethnicity that is there and bring in, you know, their own, because that's where they didn't get the most money from. Right, right. Um, even the word gentrification, which has always been interesting to me, I know where it came from, but the word gentry, uh, means like of gentle birth. It's mm-hmm. like a royalty thing. Um, so like they, that's who they want there because that's, you know, um, also who they want to associate with, who they want to do business with. So there's some like, you know, racial overtones with gentrification. People for don't sure. understand anything. Sure. Oh, they're just, you know, just swapping communities for, for money reasons. No, there's some, there's some racial things there as well. Um, so I think it's on us. It's definitely on us. Like this little Tokyo uh, community did. We need to start doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, buying our block, buying our, our area. There's some, there's some pockets of it. I, I've seen on Instagram where there's some people, a, a lady, I think in Baltimore, mm-hmm. um, is buying parts of the community there. Detroit right now, you guys is on sale. <laughs> The whole city. The whole city, you guys. <laughs> the whole city's on oh sale. Oh, my god! There are blocks just going for bucks. Like, that is so I don't know. funny. Nobody wants to buy Detroit. But see, that's the but thing. That's is no one wants to buy it. But that's the thing. We could put the money together. We could put the like, money hey, and, and make it something. That, I'm serious. I would, just, I would just have a car. That's my car. I own Detroit, you guys. Here you go. But I wonder just if you opened a black brew there. I, that's I'm, I plan to five dollars to get a building. Yes, and people will have to kind of drive to get there because no one lives in the area. But eventually, they're gonna buy it out. Someone's gonna buy that block. Those Digressing areas. a little bit. Why is Detroit on sale? I I've heard this too that like it's just it's just, yeah it's a it's a ghost town. Yeah. There's so many blocks on blocks where the school. The, I forget what happened. Why I think part of it was the uh, the economic crisis because GM and Ford were oh. some of the biggest ones that just. People just lost their jobs, yeah, so they just okay. moved out. No, um, so now, yeah, so now those houses and communities are going for pennies on the dollar. Um, it's, it's so bad that there's like bears. There are bears just walking the streets, coyotes, random, just animals just thriving. It's that bad. I mean, like, wow. Not thriving. They are thriving. They're living their lives. <laughs> They're being animals. Like, hey, this is awesome. It's like, it's like the three bears like moving back oh in the house. Like, God, Goldilocks stop. is out. We back in here. Where my porridge at? <laughs> I'm porridge. just having this like picture of a bear walking down the street in Detroit. It's just, it's really funny. Um, okay, but do you think, let's, let's stick with California now because that's what I know and mm. even in Los Angeles. Do you think it's possible for there to be 
a boost in housing without it affecting people in the communities. Because if you, okay, if you guys don't understand like how like housing works and gentrification with housing works, let's say a developer buys some land, Mm -hmm. let's say they buy it in Inglewood, right? Mm -hmm. They build multi-million dollar condos, sell them for three times the price of what the condos next door were Mm -hmm. that have been there since, I don't know, 1970, right? right? Mm Mm-hmm. You get people that can afford them, which typically are white people, because Mm -hmm. like I said, they're the ones that have the wealth um, for the most part in this country. Then that will cause the people that the the, the owners of the condos of the people that have already lived in those condos to raise the rent Mm -hmm. condos or apartments or whatever. And then people can't afford to live there anymore. And then they get kicked out. That's literally the cycle in case you don't understand. So do you think that there is a way to, like I said, have upgrades and build new housing and build without having to kick people out, without raising the rent. Because I don't know if you saw this, but there are more uninhabited uh, places to live in Los Angeles than there are people living in them. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. It's crazy. That's There's nuts. just a bunch of empty housing and so many people on the street. I think so... Like I said, the first way I thought is if we do it internally. The mm-hmm. other, other, the only other way I could see it happening is if there was some kind of legislation where city laws were passed where if you tear down and rebuild, there has to be a percentage of how much you can actually charge for your mm-hmm. rent now or the mm-hmm. mortgage on this place. Um, I think that's – and the people who were moved out should also have some kind of grandfathered rent um, cap. Some like, okay, if you were paying 15 18 2000 a month, um, there needs to be some kind of cap where you can come back in, into the same area okay. and your rent can't be more than 30% increased. Something like that. Because um, one, that's, again, no matter what, if you are a developer and you tear down, you build up, you want people in there. So twenty, you know, $2,300 a month is way better than zero. Correct. Right? So if you wanted to Correct. charge 35 and no one's buying at 35 but this family that was there, you know, for 5, 10 years could pay 23 mm-hmm. Okay. The I don't understand why you wouldn't want that. Mm-hmm. So I think there needs to be some kind of maybe city legislation that forces like new developers say, okay, hey, if you if people are coming in and the people who moved out get one, they get first first choice, and there's some kind of grandfather law about their uh, their rent not going exorbitantly high, and mm-hmm. then that way we, one you get people in there. Um, so there's got to be again. This is where I I do um, get into politics where there are city mm-hmm. administrators and officials who would fight for that. Who would say, okay, look. Because that's something that would affect you. It would affect me, yeah, exactly, exactly, 100%. So then I think that's when we need to have people who will stand up and say, okay, hey, look, our people are getting um, railroaded out of here because this developer is doing this. And that's another thing. There might be some like laws where we're looking at developers who practice gentrification in a not-so-positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, so now if you're going to do that, if you want to come in, maybe you don't get first choice or first bid. Or if you do when you have to pay maybe a, f- a fine or a tax or something mm-hmm. um, in order to make sure that the money you're taking from this community, the city gets, and somehow now that goes into a fund where they can put it back into the community, maybe build another community for the people who were just kicked out. I think there's yeah. ways to do it, but it's either got to be through us, and it, that's still through us. We're still you know, yeah. determining who is that politician or that city official that could do that for us. The other thing I don't see often, and I know it goes back to who has the wealth, but for the people of color and black people that have wealth, why don't you go into the white communities? Mm. Like, I would love for you to put a black brew. That is happening. In the middle of Beverly Hills. Oh, it is happening. You know what I mean? Because 100%. What is a black-owned coffee shop just popping up? You know what I mean? Oh, just wait. (laughs) I I have plans. I'm waiting. I'm here. I have plans. I'm ready. Yes. One of the the very, very hyper-targeted spots I'm looking at is uh, one South Orange County. 
Okay. Was very white. Oh and my God, two, it's Republican um, too. Right, exactly. <laughs> and two, um, kind of the, not South Bay, but kind of Long Beach, Cerritos area where it's very Asian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because Asians love black culture. They do. And they love coffee. So it's a f- perfect place. Yes. Um, and I think, yeah, South Orange County, again, it's black. I mean, your, your sons and daughters are listening to rap music. And that's what's going to be playing at a black brew. So they're going to be there. Yeah. Um, so no, that, I definitely am going to do that. Because I also don't understand either. Why don't we want to get the white dollar? Right. Like we're just going after they're already ours. T- they're always taking they're our They're taking dollar. ours, right. I'm go- so we got to go get there. I'm getting it back. I think that that's a, a smart way too. I really do. And I, I am surprised that I don't see more of that. Because we don't think, we just don't <laughs> we think don't that think way. Like I'm, I honestly, I get people look at me like I'm weird. Because I think some very, you know, unorthodox things. Um, but to me, it seems logical. Mm. Like it seems like it makes a whole lot of sense to do mm. that. But in our community, we're just not taught that. Because look where our dollar goes. It goes to that liquor store or it goes to church or buying Tim's. Mm. It, it, we don't think about buying one thing, only things that are black owned. We don't think about just going to stores that just are just black owned. Like that's, that's almost like a very niche and nouveau thing to even say. Like I should have been hearing this back when I was three. Completely. I'm just now hearing this. It's just not a term that's, that's new. There's now Facebook and Instagram pages where they only um, – source and populate black owned companies. I'm mm-hmm. like, why is this new? Right. Why are we just doing so this? Now it's not new, but it's it, it did happen again. We've been keeping it. It there was a time even the the what is that? The Green Book. Mm. That used to be a thing where it was only black owned stores or whatever that you really? could Really? Yeah. My I mom said the, the original Green Book was a book that huh. just had like a, a Rolodex of black owned shops and stores. Interesting. Um, I don't know what happened to that. And I think people also need to realize the reason that we always say like, oh, you should support black owned, support black owned is because if you're actually for equality, you will want to close the wealth gap. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's that's the only reason. It's not, oh, don't support white people. Nobody's saying that. But it's like if you support black owned businesses or other people of color businesses, it's just going to help make equality an actual reality. The problem is, is that people don't necessarily really want it. Yeah, and they also don't look at, again, down the road, what that could mean. Like, if there's economic yeah. inclusion Ooh. and there is less people having to sell and hustle drugs to make money, mm-hmm. if there's other ways that, you know, because a lot of these drug dealers are very entrepreneurial. They just don't know how to do it in a way that's not illegal. Right. So it's like, if you could figure out a right. way to do it, if we, again, if we start training our kids now to do this and, and to hustle in a, in a positive way, um, you're not going to have the crime and violence that you're so scared of that mm-hmm. you know they think black people only do because we don't. But anyway, we're losing all that. All our cities and hoods that are ghetto are will be again, like you said, gentrified on their own mm-hmm. because now those same entrepreneurs are not just hustling a corner; they're doing the Nipsey hustle thing and buying the corner. Right. So that, I think that's one way the people who don't you know want us to talk about it being a black thing. Well, I know you don't like what you think we're doing, so help us not do what you think we're doing by <laughs> doing what you're doing. <laughs> That made any sense. I, lo- I completely made right? sense. Okay. And it's so true. It's so true because that is the the perception that people have of black people. Yeah. For sure. But they don't realize it's like you have people don't like to look at the history and look at the cycle mm-hmm. and look at the flow chart yes. of how we got into the situation in the first the flow place. Chart, like, yeah. <laughs> but like, yes, there are exceptions. There are people that didn't have to go through that, that didn't have to live in those type of conditions or whatever. But the percentage of the people that didn't, the percentage of the people that did is vastly different. Yes. 
So we have yes. to think about that. But that I really long for the day when, you know, we can start putting money back into our own communities. I mean, I grew up in Santa Barbara. I grew up around white people. That's I don't want to help them. I don't <laughs> need to help them. I want to. I don't. I mean, like, I want to go into Inglewood. I want to go into Watson Compton and be like, okay, how can I build a grocery store here? How can I make, you know, use my entertainment company to make, like, a, a, a performing arts school for these mm-hmm. kids or something? Like, I, I don't have the money right now. But when I do, because I will, do. it is a goal. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to do. Yeah. You know, I I want you to have a black brew. Well, I want you to go in the white areas, but I want you to have a black <laughs> brew everywhere, you yes. know, because we need to have more black owned businesses because we do need to start closing this wealth gap so that there truly is equality. And gentrification, hopefully in the future, will, will be looked at as a good thing and not such a negative thing. Because right now, it doesn't help anybody but the people that are coming in. Yeah. If it's something that, that we induce and we create, then yeah, that'd be totally different. But right now, it's not. It's not. And yeah. it's a shame. It really is. Well, let us know what you think about gentrification and mm-hmm. um, what city you're in, if you've seen it happening. I know yeah, we're seeing a lot of it. Yes, yes, yeah, Yes, yes, yes. We see a lot of it happening in Los Angeles, but I know it's happening all over this country. And um, let's think of ways to, to come together and just put money back into our own communities and, and keep the culture uh, alive. Yeah, change it up. All right, we'll talk to you all next week. Later. Bye. And this episode of We Need to Talk is brought to you by Black Brew, the darkest, richest, boldest coffee in the Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Need to Talk the Podcast and Twitter at underscore We Need to Talk underscore. 